Written in the Stars by Lisa Bryan Chapter 2 Gifts Bella was heartily sick of waking in strange locations. She was lying in some kind of large, circular, bowl-like depression which was lined with pillows in a wide range of sizes, colors, and fabrics. She rolled over onto her stomach and peeked over the edge. Edward sat on the floor, his back against the wall, on the other side of the room, and he was watching her. Bella ducked back down quickly. Bella, I won't hurt you. You need not fear me. His voice sounded so sad that she poked her head up again. You are perfectly safe. See, Tanya is here. Bella followed the direction of his gaze and saw Tanya, who knelt silently in the corner, her wood staff laid across the top of her thighs. She might have been mistaken for a statue, as motionless as she was. Bella glanced around the rest of the room. The walls were stone, polished and carved with indecipherable symbols around the top, and there were several round doorways leading to parts unknown. There wasn't much in the way of furniture, a few trunk-like objects, and, bizarrely enough, a lazy boy recliner, which still had the tags. A low table like the ones she had seen at dinner stood in the corner, with cushions surrounding it. The room had the same hidden source of lighting as the others she'd seen. No windows. She realized that she hadn't seen any since she arrived. I have a present for you, Edward said, his tone soft and coaxing. Oh God, please don't let it be another severed tail. Is Emmett alright? she asked. Yes, he is well, Edward looked abashed. I am sorry that I shocked you so badly after dinner. For my people, the tale of a vanquished opponent is an honorable gift. She had fainted like a Victorian heroine in a gothic novel in front of all those people. What a great way to introduce herself. Might as well make an ass of herself within the first couple of hours so they knew right off the bat what they were dealing with. She covered her face with her hands. Bella, look at me, Edward said. She complied but it was hard to meet his eyes. No one thinks badly of you. She didn't quite believe him, but it was kind of him to try. She gave him a small smile. Would you like to see your present? Yes, please, she said politely. Alice said that you'd like to read. I do, Bella replied. She wondered how Alice had known that and what sort of fiction she would find on this world. He held out a flat, black tablet. Bella let out a little gasp of delight, recognizing it as an e-reader. There are many books on this computer. I asked Lauren to fill it for you with books from your time. Bella scrambled for the edge to climb out of the depression, but tripped over a pillow. Amazingly, he was there in time to catch her before she could hit the floor. He steadied her on her feet and held out the e-reader. After she took it, he backed away, resuming his spot on the floor. Bella took a deep breath and went over to sit down beside him. He looked delighted at her initiative, his tail flicking on the floor where it lay beside him. She was getting better already at reading his body language. Thank you for this. Bella turned on the e-reader. It was a very considerate gift. And God Almighty, it was. The device held tens of thousands of books, ranging from the classics she loved to the complete series from her favorite contemporary authors. Books that hadn't been published yet. In her time, anyway. She supposed they'd now be considered ancient literature. 
She could have spent hours browsing through it, but she knew that would be rude. She forced herself to turn it off and set it aside. I'm glad you like it, Edward said. Alice said you must have the puffy chair to go with it. Alice is right. They're comfortable places to read. Her appreciation seemed to encourage him. His eyes sparkled with excitement. I have many gifts for you. I started buying presents for my future bride when I was young. I always try to imagine what you would be like, and I find that the reality far surpasses my dreams. Edward, please don't put me up on a pedestal, she warned. He looked very confused. Why would you think I would want to make you stand on a support beam? Okay, so she had to be careful with the idioms and figures of speech because they obviously didn't translate well. Let me try that again. I meant to say, don't think too highly of me. I don't know how to be an empress. I'm so afraid I'm going to do something wrong that I'll offend someone because I don't know the rules of your culture. You don't understand. The fact that you care is what will make you a good empress. She was pretty sure there was a lot more to it than that, but she appreciated his efforts to make her feel better. What was the last empress like? Edward's jaw tightened. She didn't care. Bella bit her lip. It seemed she had hit upon a sensitive subject. Was the empress your mother? She was. His voice was low and gruff. Bella decided not to pry further. She put her hand over his as a gesture of comfort, and the surprised widening of his eyes made her draw away swiftly. Did I do something wrong? No, he said quickly. I was simply startled. I didn't think you would touch me willingly. I'm aware that my appearance is different for you. Bell's face flamed. Had she been that obvious? Had she hurt his feelings? He tilted his head and eyed her curiously. Why does your face do that? Alice does not have that ability. It's, um, it's not an ability. It's an involuntary response when I feel embarrassed. Discussing it made her even better. He leaned toward her and sniffed. I like it. You smell good. Was the latter statement a purpose of nothing, or were the two related? She wasn't sure she wanted to know. You have no reason to be embarrassed, he said. You are doing quite well, though I must seem so strange to you. Bella started to say that Tanya was the strangest creature she had yet encountered, and then remembered that the woman was sitting in the room. As silent and still as she was, it was easy to forget she was there. I hope I do not seem rude, Bella replied. You have a very kind heart, don't you? You are the first abducted earthling I have met, who is more concerned about the feelings of those who captured her than she is about herself. Bella didn't know how to answer that. Putting it that way made it sound a little... stock me. But if Lauren had told the truth, she was stuck here permanently, and it wouldn't be a good idea to start out on the wrong foot by offending people. Edward brushed her hand with the backs of his fingers. Bella put her hand over his again. His flesh was so cool and smooth. They were silent for a moment, staring at their hands. Bella asked the question which had been hovering in the back of her mind. Why aren't there any windows? I haven't seen any of the world outside. Our world is cold, he explained. 
We are built to withstand the cold, but off-worlders do not fare as well. That is why we built this city on the ground, so that our women and young would be more comfortable. She pictured the ice world Hoth from Star Wars. How cold is it? The average temperature is about 117 degrees. That was either an error in translation, or her chip didn't do the conversion math. He saw the confused expression she wore, and they both thought about how to come to a common frame of reference. It was Bella who spoke first. Is it always cold enough for water to freeze? No, it is summer now. Our season's work is yours too. He stood and went to a trunk to retrieve an electronic pad and touched a few buttons. Pictures appeared, greenery, animals, and some that even seemed to be a combination of the two. His world did not seem all that different from Earth. Bella learned that most of their precipitation fell snow year-round, but in the summertime, the snow melted away when the sun rose. Their planet had just as wide a range of wildlife as her own, but due to the oxygen-rich atmosphere, most of it was far larger than what would be found on Earth. Their gravity was also stronger, which might explain why she'd felt so tired since she got here. Edward assured her she would get used to it. Does anyone live on the surface? Oh yes, of course. Those who do not have mates sometimes prefer it. It can be hard to watch the happiness of others, longing for what they have. He glanced around. I began to build this burrow when they started my mate search. I did not furnish it beyond the necessities and the puffy chair Alice said you would want. I thought my bride would want to decorate it. Would you like to see the rest of it? Bella nodded. He was on his feet in a flash, holding out a hand to help her. After she rose, he didn't release her hand and Bella didn't try to pull away. They walked, hand in hand, to the door on the left wall. He turned the knob and the lights came on in the room, seemingly without Edward having to hit a switch or control them in any way. It was a small bathroom, a toilet and a sink, but no shower or tub. I put this in for you, he said. Alice had Jasper install one in their quarters, and she said you would want one of your own. Bella thanked him, but wondered how she was supposed to bathe. He reached forward and flushed the toilet, watching the water swirl in the bowl as if fascinated by the thing. Humans, he said, shaking his head in amusement. The only creature in a forced galaxy that wants to eliminate into water. Bella's curiosity was piqued, and she wanted to ask what the Volturi did but decided it was probably a question best left unasked. He led her to the next doorway, which turned out to be a dressing room, filled with clothes neatly folded and stacked on the shelves. This side is yours, he said. Alice shop for you. If you do not like them, Bella shook her head in amazement. How did Alice know these things? I'm sure Alice's choices will be fine. Wow, I've never owned so many clothes in my life. It is good for the economy. Edward explained. Whatever the queen wears becomes fashionable, and the garment makers get more customers. He pulled open a drawer, and Bella gasped. It was filled with jewels in all colors of the rainbow, necklaces, bracelets, tiaras, all of them winking in the light. These are the jewels of the Empress. Your personal jewels will be stored in the drawer below. Bella had never owned any jewelry beyond a silver charm bracelet and the tiny engagement ring Mike had given her. Now she had a drawer full of gems that made the Hope Diamond look like a gumball machine prize. And that was all there was to Edward's quarters, 
Apparently, the Emperor of the Nine Federated Planets had a palace the size of a small apartment. Do you like it? he asked, sounding shy and hopeful. It's lovely, Bella said smiling, remembering just in time to keep her teeth covered. He seemed delighted with her answer, his tail flicking in the air, his eyes shining. They resumed their seats on the floor. Bella pointed to the carving which ran around the upper wall, still unsure if they were just decorative or if there were a form of writing. What's carved on the wall? A love poem. One of my favorites. The tip of his tail squirmed beneath his leg, and Bella wondered if that was his way of blushing. Can you read it to me? Oh, when my lady comes, and I would love behold her, I take her into my beating heart, and in my arms enfold her. My heart is filled with joy divine, for I am hers, and she is mine. Oh, when her soft embraces give my love completeness, the perfume of her scents me with its sweetness, and when her lips are pressed to mine, I am made drunk and need not wine. If you dislike it, we can have it covered, he offered quickly, mistaking her silence for disapproval. I think it's beautiful, Bella said, her voice a little unsteady. She knew what it was like to long for love. I've been waiting my whole life for you, he said softly. I wish to ask you, may I court you, Bella? She pinkened. She found that she genuinely liked this man, even on such short acquaintance, and one with traumatic origins at that. But he was so sweet and honest. Even cutting off his brother's tail had been something he'd done in an effort to please her. It would just take some time getting to know one another and learning each other's ways. Yes, Edward. His eyes gleamed, his tail dancing in the air beside his head. It's very late. We should sleep now. Bella looked around. Where? In my nest. He gestured at the depression in the floor where she'd awakened. I am... I'm not so sure... He seemed to understand why she was hesitant. Bella, I am not permitted to touch you in that way. We are not yet mated. His eyes softened a little. I know that your world was not as respectful of women or traditions as ours. In time, I will earn your trust. But for now, you have Tanya to protect you. Good grief, she'd forgotten Tanya was in the room again. Where will Tanya sleep? As she is. Bella started to object, but then realized for all she knew, Tanya's species was more comfortable sleeping upright. And goodness knows, she wasn't going to invite her into the bed with them. You said I might court you, Edward said. Cuddling in the nest while sleeping is part of courting. It promotes bonding. Okay, I guess, Bella acquiesced. She'd never actually slept in the same bed with anyone. Mike always left, which probably should have been a sign something was wrong. But she had been someone love, blinded by her emotions and hopes. Edward pressed the button on the wall, and a man entered, kneeling at Edward's feet, his head bowed low, a drone, judging by the shortness of his tail and his smaller size. He was still big to Bella, with wide shoulders and muscled arms as big as her thigh, but next to Edward, he looked stunted. Fetch the Alpha Prima some sleeping clothes, he ordered. The man hurried off to the dressing room. Edward, I could have done that, Bella protested. He looked a little confused. But we have a drone. Bella tried again. I'm not used to people getting things for me. I don't mind walking a few feet to get my own nightgown. Edward's tail drooped. 
That is why we have a drone. You do not have to get things for yourself any longer. She wasn't going to win this tonight, Bella saw. What's his name? Now Edward looked really confused. I don't know. Does it matter? You don't know? How long have you owned him? Edward's tail wrapped around one of his legs. I'm not sure. A decade, maybe? And you never asked for his name? I'm sorry, he said, but was obviously unsure why he was apologizing. The man returned and knelt before Bella, holding her clothes up. Bella took them and thanked him. What is your name? Jacob, Alpha Prima, he said softly, his eyes fastened on the floor. Thank you, Jacob, Bella said. You may go, Edward told him. He still looked at Bella with worried eyes. She held up the clothes. I'm going to go change. She went into the bathroom, closing the door behind her. At least Jacob didn't have the task of having to dress her, too. She pulled her tunic over her head and stripped off the pants. No underwear. Oh, jeez. That was a situation which would have to be rectified quickly. She made a mental note to ask Alice the next time she saw her. The material was incredibly soft, reminding Bella of a chamois. The clothes were simple and loose, much like hospital scrubs in a soft pink color. Bella usually preferred dark colors, but she had to admit it was a pretty shade. She left her folded clothes on the counter surrounding the sink, not knowing where the laundry hamper was, nor if the tunic could even be washed considering the band of jewels on the neckline. She went back out into the main room. She saw that Edward had changed his clothes as well, and now wore only a pair of loose pants in the same material as Bella's pajamas. His chest was beautifully muscled, and she noticed, with a bit of shock, that he had no nipples, just like Tanya. He was waiting for her on the edge of the nest, as he called it. She stepped down into the mass of pillows and laid herself out stiffly flat on her back. Edward nestled himself down beside her, moving a few pillows this way and that until he had made himself comfortable, and then he pulled Bella's body against his own, molding his frame to hers. He snapped his fingers, and the lighting in the room lowered to a twilight dimness, enough that if she should wake, she would be able to see where she was, but not enough to disturb their rest. She had to admit, having him cuddled up to her felt nice. Her family had never been much for physical affection. She could probably count, on one hand, how many times her parents had hugged her since childhood. She discovered that there was something comforting in a simple embrace. Her ear was so near his chest that she could hear the soft thumping of his heart. He had snuggled his face into the hollow between her shoulder and neck, and his breath gently tickled her ear. A low rumbling. Holy cow, was he purring? He was. The sound was slow, soft, lulling. As she drifted off, Bella thought it was probably a good thing she liked cats. Bella. <clears throat> Bella. Bella groaned and grabbed a pillow and covered her head. Something tickled her nose. She tried to turn her face aside, and it followed her. She opened her eyes and saw the tip of Edward's tail had slipped under the pillow and was teasing her nose. She pulled the pillow away and saw Edward sitting up beside her, his eyes twinkling with mischief. He looked so playful that her irritation melted away. She smiled at him. Is it time to get up? Yes, it is, Alice said from behind her. 
Bella turned and saw Alice standing at the edge of the nest, her foot tapping impatiently. She grinned at Bella, careful not to show any teeth. Don't you two look cozy, Alice said. Bella flushed and let out a nervous little giggle. Edward froze, his tail perking up in the air. What was that? What? The little sound you made, it was pretty. Bella was now as red as a beet. I giggle sometimes when I'm nervous or embarrassed. Come on, Bella, I want to go take a bath. Alice reached down and grabbed Bella's arm to drag her out of the nest of pillows. What's that got to do with me? Bella grumbled. You'll see. Come on, there's coffee where we're going. Bella perked up and willingly followed Alice if there was a cup of coffee to be had. She made a quick stop at the bathroom, grateful to find a roll of toilet paper on a spindle attached to the wall beside the toilet. She figured they must import stuff like coffee and toilets for the earthlings. Bella imagined a giant galactic semi-truck convoy, each with the label, toilet paper and romance novels and chocolate, and chuckled to herself. Tanya was still in the same spot she'd been last night. She rose when Bella went out the doorway, following them, a silent blue shadow. Bella wondered if she'd slept. She hadn't seen this woman eat or drink anything either. It was a long walk for the first thing in the morning, though, down many twisting hallways and turns. Bella would never be able to find her way back. She had always had a poor sense of direction. One time she'd had the mortifying experience of getting lost in her own high school building and had a panic attack. A teacher had to lead her back, a sobbing and shaking Bella trailing in her wake as the kids lining the halls snickered and whispered. Bella shoved the memory away. All of that was gone now. No one here knew about those things. She realized with a jolt that all of those kids were dead now. Her parents, everyone she had known, long gone. It was disconcerting. Bella looked up and saw that Alice had gotten far ahead of her. Bella trotted past her to catch up and noticed Alice's feet were bare too, except for the gold rings she wore on her toes. She hadn't put any in Bella's closet either. Alice, where can I get some shoes? Alice shook her head. Women of our social class don't wear them. If your feet get cold, tell Edward to turn up the heat on the floor. What if I have to go outside? Bella asked. Edward will carry you. She had to be joking. No, I'm serious, Alice said, as if she had read Bella's mind. Women of high status don't wear shoes to show that they're pampered and don't have to go out on the rough streets to work. And if the situation calls for it, for some reason you have to walk over gravel or something, your maid is supposed to carry you. She pushed open a door and steam billowed out. It was a large tiled room with several large pools of steaming water in which women splashed around. Over on the wall, a stream of hot water fell out of a duct like a waterfall, its runoff collecting in the pools. A nude woman stood beneath it, washing her hair. Tanya took her position by the door, kneeling silently. Alice walked over to where a line of pegs held women's clothes and stripped. Come on, Bella, she said. Last one in is a rotten egg. Bella clutched her clothes as if they might jump off her body of their own accord. Alice, I'm not really comfortable with being naked in front of people. Oh, Thuie, Alice said. Come on, it's just us girls. No one's going to look at you. Come on, Miss Modesty. You want that coffee, don't you? Bella would strip for coffee, she decided. She pulled off her clothes quickly and hung them on the peg beside Alice's. Nice rack, Alice said, leering. Bella laughed.
they started toward one of the pools, and a woman with ginger hair and freckles spotted them. She jumped out of the pool, naked as the day she was born, and strolled over to Bella, sticking out her hand. Hi, I'm- Tanya stood beside Bella and had swung her staff down like a sword between Bella and the unknown woman. She jumped and let out a little squeak of alarm. You do not have permission to approach the Alpha Prima, Tanya said. Uh, yeah. Okay. The woman scurried away, grabbing her clothes and ducking out of the door, still naked as a jaybird. Tanya resettled herself on her knees, looking as serene as a nun at prayer. Come on, Bella, Alice said. Bella followed her to one of the pools. She dipped in a toe and sighed with pleasure, submerging herself. It was perfect, like sinking into a hot tub. There was a ledge for seating. Bella perched on it and laid her head back. This is the life, huh? Alice said. Mmm, it feels wonderful. Yes, it does. Those Volturi don't know what they're missing. What, they don't bathe? Not in water. They hate getting wet. They take dust baths, if you can believe it. Bella considered. It must be sufficient because Edward smelled nice, like woods and spices. I see you allowed Edward to court you, Alice said. She handed Bella something like a net bag filled with pieces of sweet-smelling soap. Yes, Bella blushed and hoped Alice would think she was flushed from the heat. I knew you wouldn't be able to resist him, Alice crowed. She smiled at Bella's blush. Don't be embarrassed. I knew the two of you would hit it off once you got a little time to talk and get to know one another. He's a great guy. If you take him as a mate, he'll do anything to make you happy. He seems to get really worried when he thinks I'm upset, Bella told her. Last night I was a little taken aback by him calling a slave to come get my pajamas when they were only like 10 feet away from me. I have to admit, I was shocked when I didn't know his slave's name. Bella, you have to be careful about that, Alice warned her. They can get very touchy if it seems like their mate is paying too much attention to their drones. What, like, we'll have affairs with them or something? Some women do, Alice said, lowering her voice. But I think it's really all about jealousy. Alphas resent drones for their sexual freedom. Okay, back up. I must have missed something. Drones are slaves. How would they have more freedom in the bedroom than the alpha males? It's the way they're made, Alice explained. Alphas can only have sex with their mates. Any other woman just doesn't smell right to them, and they literally can't get turned on. That's one of the perks of having an alpha for a mate. They are physically incapable of cheating. Does that mean Edward is a virgin? Bella blurted. Yep. Alice motioned for Bella to lean forward and begin to scrub her back. But that doesn't mean he's completely inexperienced. Bella was speechless for a moment, and the obvious question popped into her head, but she decided against asking it. What about betas? Betas can have sex with other women, but they can't impregnate anyone but their mate. Most of them tend not to stray because of the sun issue. Drones, on the other hand, can have sex with anyone. Maybe they have a lesser sense of smell or something. But drones are infertile, and they're not allowed to mate. Bella was aghast. That's terrible! What if they fall in love? Alice shook her head. It's the law. Bella, these people are on the verge of dying out because they can't find enough mates fast enough to reproduce and replenish the population. Women are a precious resource to them. They won't let a woman mate with someone who can never give her children. 
Ella understood the reason for it, but it still seemed sad. Do they really have a giant computer filled with people's DNA profiles? Not just one big computer, but many. There's a giant building on the surface that has nothing but computer processors. Even with a computer that large, it takes time to sort through the trillions of DNA profiles in the bank to find someone compatible. Sometimes, it takes years. The Alphas get priority, especially Alpha Primes, the royal family. What happens if the people matched up don't like each other? Lauren had told her that Edward would think he was in love with her. What if she'd been a horrible person? The males are predisposed to find their mate attractive, of course, and they are willing to work very hard to try to please their mate and make her happy. Sometimes it just doesn't work out, but they have no concept of divorce. Just like on Earth, women sometimes mate to get financial security and social status. Alice stood, water dripping off her slight form. Come on, Bella, I'm getting pruny. Let's go have breakfast. And coffee, Bella reminded her. They dried with soft towels. Alice's hair stuck out in all directions after she dried it, which was pretty much her normal look. Bella, however, needed a brush, which Alice had to borrow from another woman. They dressed in the pajamas they'd worn to the baths. The clothing reminded Bella of another question. Alice, Edward said you knew I'd like to read and that you shopped for my clothing. How did you know those things? Alice considered for a moment. Bella, do you believe in God? Well, um, I suppose so, Bella said. It was a topic she tended to avoid in discussion, because people sometimes got upset if she didn't respond the way they liked. Well, I do. He sends me visions of things in the future. Things that might happen, and things that will happen. That's... wow. Alice smiled. I bet you don't believe me. Um, Alice, I... um, Bella said, eloquent as ever, under pressure. It's okay, Alice assured her. Most people don't believe me, at first. Alice led her to the large dining room where they'd eaten last night. When they entered, all of the occupants of the room boasted their feet and then knelt. They stayed that way, and time stretched out. Bella leaned over to whisper to Alice. Am I supposed to do something? Tell them to rise, Alice said, as if it were obvious. Please rise. Bella said, raising her voice so it would carry to the far corners of the room. She felt like a dumbass. Edward and Jasper were already seated at the table they'd used the previous evening. Tanya silently took a position by the wall. Bella took a seat on the cushion next to Edward and eyed his plate curiously. What is that? It looked almost like some sort of fruit, round and orange, about the size of grape. But Alice had told her they couldn't digest vegetation. Or not eggs, Edward said. Would you like one? Living here was going to require flexibility in her diet. She had to learn to try new things, even if they looked unappetizing. Yes, thank you, she said. He picked up one of the eggs, delicately pinching it between his razor-sharp claws, and brought it up to her mouth. Bella hadn't expected him to feed her, but what the hell? She opened her mouth and he dropped it on her tongue. She bit down and it burst inside her mouth. She chewed not really liking the texture, but the flavor was good. Would you like another? He asked. No, thank you. What is an ordna, anyway? Alice was the one who answered. It's a reptile, somewhat like an alligator. Bella was glad she'd tried the egg before she knew that. 
After Bella and Alice's hands had been washed by a drone, Alice told him what they wanted for breakfast. Fried cocoonar slices, vima fruit, and coffee, please. Within minutes, their plates were brought to them, but Bella was more eager for the coffee than food. She practically inhaled her first cup. Having a drone assigned to their table was like having your own waiter. Every time she sipped from the cup and set it down, the drone would refill it. Cocoonar turned out to be much like bacon. Bella munched happily on the strips, interspersing it with pieces of the fruit, which had a sweet and tangy flavor and texture, like a kiwi. She listened to Edward's conversation with Jasper with growing concern. From what she gathered, the conversation had many words for which there was no English equivalent. There had been a battle, and the Empire's forces had taken heavy losses. Alice, what is this? Bella asked. Is there some kind of war going on? Alice nodded. The rebellion. It started during his parents' time, and the rebels don't believe that Edward would rule differently than they did. Is the battlefield nearby? Are we in any danger? Alice turned her coffee cup in her hands. There is always an element of danger, which is why you have Tanya to protect you. But no, the battles aren't occurring nearby. The rebellion hasn't spread from the planet Lepush. Bella heard the unspoken yet in Alice's tone of voice. Greetings, Alpha Prima. Bella looked up at that deep voice and saw Emmett. He didn't look good. His skin was pale and he had dark circles under his eyes. May I join you? Bella looked at Edward who nodded and Emmett took the empty cushion to her left. She saw that he winced when he sat down, the stump of his tail scraping the floor. It looked healed, but she was sure it still had to be tender. How are you faring? Emmett asked. He didn't even look at the drone who appeared to wash his hands. Very well, thank you, Bella said politely. Everyone has been very kind to me. Emmett opened his mouth to say something else when Edward cut him off. Bella, if you're finished eating, we should be going. We have a busy day. Yes, I'm done. Bella stood with Edward, and the room mirrored them. Bella wondered why they had to stand before kneeling, which seemed kind of silly since they were already on the floor. She smiled at Alice and said a quick goodbye, following Edward out into the hall, Tanya, her silent blue shadow, following. What are we doing today? she asked. Edward took her hand. I'm going to show you my world. Bella smiled. No girl could resist an offer like that.